This is The Space Shot, episode 68, for July 21st, 2017. We'll stop. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. There are two pieces of history I want to cover today. On July 20th, 1999, Gus Grissom's Liberty Bell 7 capsule was raised from the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean nearly 38 years to the exact date of its sinking. Liberty Bell 7 sunk shortly after its launch on July 21, 1961. This suborbital flight with Grissom was the second U.S. space flight and the last Mercury-Redstone flight since the orbital flights for Project Mercury needed larger and more powerful boosters like the Atlas. The Mercury-Redstone 4 flight launched and achieved an altitude of nearly 120 miles putting it on a ballistic trajectory that saw Grissom splash down in the Atlantic a short 15 minutes and 37 seconds after launch. He experienced about 5 minutes of weightlessness and was able to see out of the capsule thanks to the addition of a small window that the astronauts had requested to be installed. After the capsule splashed down in the Atlantic, this is where the details of the mission get a little bit hazy. The hatch on the Mercury capsule was blown away from the capsule early, Grissom maintained that he had been minding his own business when the capsule hatch and its explosive bolts detonated. With the hatch open, Grissom had to exit the capsule before it took on too much water and sank. He struggled to stay afloat for the next five minutes, since his spacesuit hadn't been properly sealed, for swimming before exiting the spacecraft. The valiant efforts of the recovery helicopter pilots couldn't prevent the inevitable, and the capsule ended up sinking in a part of the Atlantic Ocean that was about 15,000 feet deep. Whether or not Grissom accidentally hit the release, or whether it just opened early on its own, will probably never be known. Now for the second piece of space history. Commander Chris Ferguson now back on the stick. Atlantis uh, descending at an angle seven times steeper than that of a commercial jetliner. Hey, field inside Houston. Happy Atlantis, field inside. As it approaches the runway, Commander Chris Ferguson will flare up Atlantis's nose to burn off excess speed prior to the landing gear deployment by pilot Doug Hurley. Landing gear down and locked. Main gear touchdown. Hurley now deploying the drag chute. Ferguson rotating the nose gear down to the deck. Nose gear touchdown. Having fired the imagination of a generation, a ship like no other, its place in history secured, the space shuttle pulls into port for the last time. Its voyage at an end. After uh, serving the world for over 30 years, the space shuttle turned its place in history and has come to a final stop. We copy your will stop, and we'll take this opportunity to congratulate you, Atlantis, as well as the thousands of passionate individuals across this great spacefaring nation who truly empowered this incredible spacecraft, which for three decades has inspired millions around the globe. Job well done, America. Hey, thanks, Butch. Uh, Great words. Great words. 
you know, the space shuttle's changed the way we uh, view the world and it's changed uh, the way we view our universe. There's a lot of emotion today, but one thing's indisputable. America's not going to stop exploring. Thank you, Columbia, Challenger, Discovery, Endeavor, and our ship Atlantis. Thank you for protecting us and bringing this program to such a fitting end. God bless all of you. God bless the United States of America. In the early morning hours of July 21, 2011, the space shuttle Atlantis returned to Kennedy Space Center, marking an end to its final mission and the shuttle program. In past episodes, I've talked about the traditional wake-up songs that would be played for the crews. This final mission had the traditional wake-up songs, and they were accompanied by messages from Beyoncé, Elton John, Sir Paul McCartney, NASA employees from Johnson Space Center, Kennedy Space Center, and others. The STS-135 mission brought one final flight of supplies to the space station, and astronauts Christopher Ferguson, Douglas Hurley, Sandra Magnus, and Rex Walheim spent eight days there. STS-135 also completed construction of the International Space Station, and upon landing, started the longest period in American spacefaring history between human-capable missions launching from American soil. Over six years have passed since a crewed flight launched from the United States, and the next flight with astronauts is at least another year away. Chris Bergen with nasaspaceflight.com has a great article that I'm linking to in the show notes that covers the transitional period we are currently in. If you have ideas for the show, reach out to me. You can find me just about anywhere, at John Molnix. I'd love to chat. Share this episode with your friends and family, or anyone that enjoys podcasts. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a rating in iTunes. It takes just a minute to leave a rating, but it makes a huge difference and helps even more people find the podcast. Thank you all for listening. I truly appreciate everyone that has subscribed to the show. Tomorrow, Star Trek and Dogs in Space. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.